1: Joining me shortly, as always, is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And uh, we're going to have some fun on this episode, talk about stock up, stock down from training camp. And to help us do that, we're going to bring in our buddy, Nick Wagner. He covers the 49ers for ESPN. And we're just going to have a conversation about which players uh, look good in camp, which players haven't looked good in camp, and kind of use that to, to start spinning the conversation towards the preseason, which, of course, opens on Saturday, August 14th. The day before that, though, Friday, August 13th, uh, seven o'clock at Cooperage Brewing. It is the release event for the Candlestick Chronicles beer that we have, um, we have had made w- in partnership with Cooperage. Uh, part of the proceeds go to the Redwood Empire Food Bank. They'll be out there taking donations. We'll have a ton of your favorite 49ers writers in the building. Uh, Chris Biederman will obviously be there. <laughs> uh nick is going to be there matt barrows matt mayoko uh tracy sandler jennifer lee chan cam inman uh a who's who of 49ers writers are going to be in the building and uh taking questions going to drink a lot of good beer and and have a ton of fun talking football so uh excited to see everybody there super excited for the event again that's friday at cooperage brewing in, in santa, santa rosa. rosa yeah sorry chris you ruined the bit when it doesn't you didn't sound say light. it the first it- time
2: i just wanted to anyway let's let's keep going
1: it's Cooper's Brewing in Santa Rosa this is supposed <laughs> to be like hey Kyle is sitting by himself you know in a dark room recording this not doing it you know as we're doing the pod anyways um, theater of the mind Cooper's Brewing Santa Rosa 7 p.m. Friday August 13th we will see you there and enjoy the episode
3: blue liar
4: hey this is George Kittle and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. <laughs> Got him and he back inside the
1: 30 yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13 yard loss. Great pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown 49ers. At least the intro wasn't clunky. <laughs> I'm sorry for interrupting
4: you. I thought you no, were rolling okay. until Chris butted in, but.
2: No, thank you. Thank you, Nick. That I mean, the Santa Rosa um, part was important. And you said, you know, you said in the beginning without mentioning Santa Rosa. We so saying it, it the second him. time. I know we said it at the same time, so I don't think it was as clunky as Kyle's making it seem.
1: No, for sure. Um, and I, I think like I would rather you do that than let me leave out pertinent information and then get to the start of the pod and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, yeah. you missed
2: Santa Rosa. Don't or, make- like record have to record it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we definitely don't want that. Santa Rosa, Cooper's Brewing. See you there Friday. Uh, stock up, stock down. We're going, we're recording this Monday um, prior to the 49ers preseason opener on Saturday against the Kansas City Chiefs at Levi Stadium. And so you guys are both out at training camp. You are um, observing, taking notes, and believe it or not, there's more going on than just the, uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance uh, shenanigans. So uh, I'm, I'm, Excited to chat with you guys and go over which players have looked good, which players haven't looked so good, or which things or themes or or whatever it may be. Uh, we're just going to go stock up, stock down, super easy. Nick, you are the guest, so we will start with you. Uh, which which player or thing uh, is is stock up for you right now?
4: Uh, well, first of all, let me say that uh, I'm looking forward to the event on, on Friday, but I want to apologize in advance to the listeners for having to listen to my takes both on this podcast and then again, like those who come out will have to hear from me again. So if you come up to me and understand, like, you know, forgive me, I will b- probably buy you a beer. I'm just putting that out there right now. This is for a good cause. I don't want everyone to do that, but the first few, let's put it like that. If you you come up and forgive me for putting you through this twice in the span of a few days, I will buy you a beer.
1: Uh, Anyway. Listen to your ass. Buy me a beer, damn
4: it. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But my stock up actually is a guy that I had zero expectations for uh, coming into camp. And frankly, I still kind of have zero expectations for in the season. It's D4. Um, I, I know he hasn't done a ton of stuff in team drills, but the fact that he's doing any team drills at all, uh, when there's other guys coming back from injury I think is uh, a really good sign for the 49ers. and it's it's amazing when you really think about it because that's a guy who two years ago is your huge offseason acquisition like this is the guy that you're counting on to to really supercharge your pass rush and now you're in a position where anything you get from him is found money it, it, like you you and Kyle Shanahan has admitted that Chris Kasarik talking to him on on Monday he was kind of you know saying the same thing that they're not counting on anything, but anything they get out of him will be a big thing for them. And, and he looks like a guy who is trending toward being able to, and he's not going to play 50 snaps a game, nor should anyone expect him to. But if he can give you somewhere between 18 to 20 snaps a game playing at, at, at maximum max Q, so to speak, uh, that would be a, a real good shot in the arm for the 49ers. And for that defensive line, and that pass rush.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think, um, Just looking at the depth of the the defensive end group, getting anything from D Ford would be a huge boost, right? Because, you know, Arden Key's had a nice camp so far, but, you know, a lot of guys have good starts to camp and end up not doing a whole lot uh, once the regular season comes around. I'm I'm still very skeptical of the idea that Arden Key is going to be a significant contributor. You have Jordan Willis, who's opening the season suspended. Um, and then really not a whole lot else. Eric Armstead's gonna get some run at defensive end and not in you know base packages specifically and, and against the run. But yeah, I think Nick makes a great point that anything you get from D Ford is found money. And given that you were able to get Samson Ebucam, um, you know, I think if as long as you're not counting on Ebucam to be your number two pass rusher opposite Nick Bosa, if you could lighten some of that burden with D Ford back in the mix. Um, I think that's really advantageous for the 49ers. So yeah, D Ford, given that he was such a question mark in the offseason, the fact it looks like he's gonna be somebody who can provide something, like Nick said, 15, 20 snaps a game. I think I think that would be that would be a really big boon for the 49ers. So I agree yeah. with our uh, with our favorite cast member there.
1: we're running into a scenario where the the, the 49ers have <laughs> a t- you're welcome for what's going on on Zoom right now. My cat is <laughs> Uh, jumped into the Kyle's screen cat's Anyways, taking over um, we're running into a scenario where like going into the offseason it was kind of like what are they going to do at defensive end they need to draft somebody but the draft wasn't great at that position this year and Ebukam, it was kind of like all right well if he turns into a like eight or nine sack guy you know you're you you've got something there but he's never had more than four and a half in a season for his career well all of a sudden if d ford's healthy nick and like you said like 18 snaps a game 15 to 18 a game and Ebukam is the player that they are kind of expecting him to be. Well, now all of a sudden this position where we're kind of scratching our heads going into the off season now looks like a position that uh, could really be a strength for them. And I think given how this defense is built, that's a, that is a, would be, I don't want to call it an off season addition, but like, yeah, the kind of biggest off season addition for them, if Ford is going to come back and, and, be an effective pass rusher, even if it is kind of in limited action just because it's what their whole defense is built around
4: and and to your point it's really almost a trickle down effect and the crazy thing is is samson Avicom you could argue was uh, i mean just in terms of the money he was their biggest outside addition you Man. know not a, not a guy they re-signed this offseason and d ford i i haven't tracked exactly how many snaps he's gotten compared to abcom but abcom's been banged up um, he's been dealing with soreness and swelling in his legs from what we've been told and hasn't been practicing a lot Ford's been out there as much if not more than ABCOM has and so I think I think to, to, to Kyle's point the defense is not only built around the defensive line but the whole team is you know you look at, at quarterback in the defensive line is where they've invested their most resources by far and away and what happens is is when you get a chance to have a D Ford and a Samson Abicom in there. Then there's the trickle down where, hey, now Eric Armstead gets to kick inside where he's a much better pass rusher. Uh, you can use Arden Key in the situations where maybe he's getting an opportunity to do it. You can do some of the things they did in the playoffs in 2019 where D Ford was kicking to the other side and lining up next to Nick Bosa and is presenting deep, uh, offensive lines a problem from that perspective. So there's all those things that they could do. And the other thing, guys, is it, it trickles backwards too, right? Because if you're looking at the secondary, I think we all three would sit here and say, "Boy, there's a lot of questions in that secondary right now." Uh, it's, you know, safety is, is question mark. Strong safety. They're playing without Jakowski Tart. You don't really know who the who the starter is going to be. They may have Tart there for us at some point, but we don't know that. Um, so, I think when you look at all those things, there that's really the the benefit of having that pass rush firing
1: on all cylinders. It's great uh (laughs) let's let's uh chris let's jump over to you now uh what's your stock up from camp so far
2: well my stock up is also on defense it's jason verrett um Mm. he's been really good he he's been really sharp uh in the open practice on saturday he had it was two or three um like pretty impressive pass breakups uh, on brandon Ayuk and debo samuel one of them came down near the goal line on a third down. He just, he's really physical. Um, You know, Emmanuel Mosley said he has the best feet he's ever, he's ever seen. Um, And I just think if, if you can get top level corner play from, from Jason Verrett at his cap figure, which is what $5 million this year, that's an incredible value. And obviously there are the injury concerns, but um, it sounds like he's in a really good place. Mentally, physically, it looks like he's playing at a high level. Um, he's having a kid this week, so it could be, he could get some sort of supernatural boost from that. Um, I'm just, I'm impressed with Jason Verrett. Uh, I'm impressed with just how mentally tough he is to be able to come back and, and regain faith in his body after everything he's been through and be able to play confidently and play at a high level. Um, it's just frankly, really cool to see. And it's one of I think it's one of the, the better stories on the team. Um, and so, you know, it looks like he's playing at a high level. And if he continues that, uh, you know, at his contract, it would just be it would be a great value for the 49ers as their as their top cornerback.
4: Yeah, those are all very positive reasons for for why you would choose Verrett, I, I think. And I, I think when you look at, at Varett, I was just talking about the secondary. Obviously, that's. Uh, the trickle down effect of having that defensive line firing. but Varet is the one guy that you're kind of banking on, which is a little bit of a scary proposition just based on the injury history, right like how you know how is he going to fare now that he's the guy, the number one guy that they're counting on but to Chris's point, he has been, I mean, you could argue on Saturday and I, I think I tweeted this that he was one of, if not the best player on the field that day and the, and and the other thing is is he's doing it against. Debo Samuel and against Brandon Ayuk. So he's doing it against those top guys who are going to be the kind of guys that he's facing every week. Yeah. And he is a great story. They obviously need him to stay healthy, which we can say about just about everybody on the team at this point, but certainly those guys who are much is being asked of them. And, and he's, he's almost very similar to D Ford in a lot of ways, just maybe a, a year ahead of him in terms of coming back from injury and, and putting that body of work together to be where you want. But uh, yeah, he's had a, had a very, very strong camp and positioning himself to, to, again, follow up on, on a strong comeback season and maybe potentially be even better.
1: Yeah. You talk about his story and then you talk about the 49ers depth at corner. He's a player that they like wanted slash needed to be healthy this year. They, when you look at their, their cornerback depth, it's Brett, it's Mosley. And then it's just a bunch of question marks. I was just doing a 53 man roster at Niners wire. And outside of those three guys, there's not, there's not, a lot of, of proven talent there it's like Dante Johnson and Ken Webster and then the two rookies Ambry Thomas and and Diamador Lenore so are they
2: particularly close by the way just based on training camp like as friends no like aren't oh. <laughs> sorry I think they're fine <laughs> they were swag surfing together before practice so I think they oh, are good wow friends. that's huge yeah but no I, I just mm-hmm. mean I it doesn't seem like they're either particularly close to contributing so
1: that that just drives the point home more that the the Niners desperately needed a corner to kind of emerge as that that number one guy especially after Richard Sherman's exit and I think if a red's going to be that guy it would not only be a great story but uh it would be extremely helpful for for the 49ers defense because no matter how good your pass rush is um there's like a standard baseline of cornerback play that you need to be successful right
2: yeah yeah Yeah. and And I Ahead, especially Kyle. in the NFC
1: West. Yeah. I just don't think they can get there. Verrett's not, not, uh, not ball. Go ahead. Yeah, I just
4: wanted to add one more thing that I, I think that stands out about Verrett. And, and, you know, I think Chris mentioned that Emmanuel Mosley said, Verrett has the best feet he's ever seen, but just something that I noticed when just kind of watching practice and during special teams, which is probably the most boring. No, not probably. It is the most boring part of practice. Uh, Apology apologies to my guy, Richard Hightower, but uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's just, it's just not, it's just not entertaining, but What's interesting is, is that you'll get position groups where there's one or two guys who are defi- definitely not going to be on special teams. And so they have that time to do whatever. They could be screwing around on the sideline, joking around, getting water, whatever it is. And on Saturday, and I've seen this just about every day, Jason Verrett, you can always find him on the sideline next to Corey Unlin doing some sort of footwork drill during that, during that time in special teams. And I think it just kind of shows you what that guy's made of, what, what, where his mind is and always trying to, to get better. And that is the kind of example I think that he's trying to set because he's not one of those super vocal guys. Who's going to try to lead his teammates, uh, you know, through, through his words, but he's going to try to do it through his actions. And you can see it every day if you watch practice. So just a, a note that I think people might be
1: interested in, in hearing about Verrett. My stock up. I was waffling between two. Do I cop out and do both of them or do I pick one?
4: I don't know. It depends on how good they are. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy.
1: Okay. I'll let Just here. I'm gonna, here, this is no, I'm going to throw this one out and you guys can tell me if it's a good one or not. Yeah. It's like a choose your own adventure. Kyle. Yeah. This, this is, is really great. Cool. Okay. So if you want to do the first one, keep listening. If not fast forward a minute <laughs> and then we'll get to the different one.
4: <laughs> right. We uh, think you'll be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, so I, I want to, I want you guys to guide this because you guys are, are there and you're watching and you're, and you're observing, but something that jumped out to me was that Marcel Harris is now playing linebacker, which to me sends his stock up because I don't think he's a very good safety. And I didn't think he was going to probably make the team as a safety, but when you look at, uh, Elijah Sullivan and Justin Hilliard and my guy, Jonas Griffith there, it's not like there's a bunch of locks to make the, to make the roster a linebacker is Marcel Harris in your estimation, like, is he playing well at linebacker? How's that transition going? Is he worthy of me saying his stock is going up? Chris.
2: Oh man. Um putting you on the spot. He listens. Yeah, I guess I, I would say his stock is up because playing linebacker improves his chances at making the team. Okay. That's um, kind of what I'm just getting at. Yeah. I don't know. Like it, honestly, I haven't been super locked into, to Marcel Harris, but like, I think he's probably going to end up like if they keep five linebackers, I think he's probably the fifth. Sure. And we we're talking about it with Nick. Or I was talking about it with Nick at practice the other day, like having him on the roster might make it so you can at like keep another guy at another position that you like, right. Because he could potentially also be the fourth safety. Right. Right. So there's, there's that. Um, It sounds like, you know, his, his teammates are saying good things about it as, as to be expected, but, Um he's a core special teams guy and I I think he's probably gonna make the team largely because of special teams. And if frankly, I think if he has to play significant snaps at linebacker, I think the 49ers might be in a little bit of trouble because he's probably their, I don't know, fifth best linebacker, maybe at best. So um, but no, I think stock up because he's gonna make the team and be a contributor probably is is not a bad take.
4: Yeah, I think you know, I view Marcel Harris in a similar similar way to the how I view Jordan Matthews, where they're not exactly a standout at either of the positions that they can play. But because they can simply play those two positions, um, it makes them intriguing roster ads. So if you don't want to keep a sixth receiver, I know decisions are going to be tough there. But if you don't want to keep that sixth receiver, or or you don't want to keep that fourth tight end, you can kind of have the best of both worlds with Jordan Matthews, and it it can free you up in, in some other spots. And I think that's similar to how you would view Marcel Harris. And uh, it, Kyle, your, your point being that you don't think he's a particularly good safety. Well, if he's not a particularly good linebacker, then I don't know. I don't really know how you look <laughs> at it. But, but, I do, but I do think, I do think he's, he's been pretty good at linebacker and he seems a little bit more comfortable there um, just kind of playing that spot. And to Chris's point, special teams is still going to be his ticket to a roster spot.
1: Okay, moving forward to the choose your own adventure. My second one, um, <laughs> I, we don't need to talk super long about this. I'm getting Brandon Ayuk vibes from Trey Sermon in that it's just universally like, oh, he's really good. I've not seen anything to the contrary that, and I mean, it's, I know it's hard because it's camp and they're not tackling or anything, but it just seems like everybody who's ever said anything about Trey Sermon, Nick, um, it's, it's always pretty positive.
4: Yeah. I'd say he's been fine. I, I, I haven't necessarily been flat. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I've been wowed by him. Um, I actually – I kind of like watching Elijah Mitchell run a little better than, than, hmm. than I do Trey Sermon, at least and, – and I want to add the context of, you know, Mitchell isn't, isn't running with the ones, and so it's a little bit different uh, in, in what you look. But when I watch the running backs, it still, to me, looks so much different when it's Raheem Mostert than when it's any of the other guys. Um, and that's not to say that Sermon's not going to be involved. That The way that they're managing those two guys – Clearly, Sermon's going to have a role and have a role very early on, uh, but but I think Mostert is is clearly on on a different level at least as as we sit here right now. So yeah, I think Sermon has been fine, uh, and I'm I'm not sitting here to say like oh you need to knock him down your fantasy draft board or, or whatever. But uh, I, I still would like to see more, and that's definitely going to be one of those things that in the preseason games you get a better idea. To your point, Kyle, of, of when you can tackle and. And all those kinds of things. Rumor has it, that's important. uh, You know, how you you handle, how you handle physical contact, but
1: get out of town.
4: (laughs) But yeah, I I just, I I think he's, he hasn't necessarily been a standout from, from my eyes, but that doesn't mean that the, the coaching staff doesn't like what they see. And clearly he keeps getting all those opportunities with the first team offense. So that must mean something.
2: Yeah, he's basically splitting reps with Raheem Mostert, which makes me think he's going to have a big role. Um, I think he's kind of the type of player that you're that's that's going to be really hard to draw conclusions from during training camp because he's not the fastest guy. He's not the quickest guy. And with our angle on the sideline, like we don't have a great view of of the lanes and what he's seeing and what he isn't. Um, So, you know, I, I think that I mean, based on what he did in college and based on the fact it's kyle shanahan and mike mcdaniel's offense i I think things are pretty promising for sermon um but to nick's point about mostert probably like once every second or third practice there's there's a run where it's schemed up perfectly and it's against the right look and Mostert's just gone you know it's like it's like that touchdown he had against the jets in week two um and that happens you know probably two times a week during training camp um so he still has that big play ability um and you know, so I, I think yeah, it's definitely a little bit different with Mostert just because of how fast he is and how much those plays pop sometimes. But um, I'm still expecting uh, Trey Sermon to have a pretty significant role this season. I'm gonna go with
1: stock flat for 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 Trey Sermon. Sure. Um, <laughs> let's jump over to let's jump over to stock down and uh, Nick. Go ahead and start us off. Your stock up was D 4 who's not. Who or what is not going great in camp?
4: Yeah, I'm going to go with the receiver group at large, and I want to be very clear that I'm taking Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk out of that because they have both looked excellent. Um, So maybe it's unfair to say the group as a whole. Maybe I should say the receiver depth. Um, But I, I think this was a question that we all had kind of coming into camp, and I think as we sit here now, things have maybe clarified a little bit, but not in a way that we expected. So if, if you sat here today and said, who are the third and fourth receivers? I think it's actually pretty clear and it's Muhammad Sanu and it's Trent Shurfield, which I don't think anybody would have necessarily projected before camp starts. And I think it's, it, this is no knock on either of those guys because they both had a good camp. And I think they both can be productive players uh, potentially if given, if given the right opportunities, but I think it speaks to where their depth situation is that those guys are kind of a clear cut three and four and there's not a whole lot of competition behind them of guys where you're like, Oh, that guy belongs or that guy belongs. Like there's not, I I, I have trouble finding six that I would keep right now. And I think, you know, Jalen Hurd is a disappointment talking to Wes Welker on Monday uh, about, about Jalen Hurd's position with the team. One of the things he kept bringing up is like, yeah, it's kind of hard if you're not on the field and, you know, we don't, we don't know if you're, if you're at practice, we don't know what we have there and, you know, they, they talk about Herd in a similar way. They do D Ford when it comes to like, Oh, anything we get from him is found money, but that's not quite the same because D Ford actually is out there and you can see the progress that he's making towards being back where you don't see that with Herd. Richie James, Jr. Another guy coming back. You would expect to be in the mix because he's been here, has had a lot of drops in this camp. At least I can, I can think of four off the top of my head on balls that he should have caught. So, you know, where is his progress? So, I think that, you know, I was an advocate, as you guys know, for the for the Julio Jones trade. I understand why they didn't do it. I don't think they even would have been able to just based on the Falcons probably wanting to send, send him to the AFC. But part of my reasoning behind that wasn't just, oh, Julio Jones is a really good player. Go get him. Sure, that was a huge part of it. But the mm-hmm. other part of it was, again, kind of what we were talking about earlier, the defensive line, that trickle down of let's get a guy here that makes our depth that much better Take some of that workload away from, particularly Debo, where you can use Debo uh, in the in the right you know spaces, and maybe try to keep him a little bit more healthy, so you don't have some of those issues. I just I think wide receiver depth is still an issue on this team, and it's something that I would be concerned about, based on especially Debo's injury history, but even the fact that Brandon Ayuk didn't make it through last year uh, without any issues either.
2: Yeah, I think you. I, I totally agree with with that point and you know i think the 49ers need something from one of these three guys they need something from Juwan jennings austin watkins or travis benjamin and frankly like i don't think they've really gotten it um i don't know if kevin white can can be an nfl receiver uh <laughs> at least i mean he's fine on special teams and i know he got some run there last year river craycraft same thing the symbol webster you know like a return specialist. He did have that one. Uh, he, he made a nice touchdown grab and from Trey Lance during a, um, a red zone drill last week. But I mean, other than that, there really hasn't been a whole lot um, in terms of, you know, things to be excited about from guys battling for those fifth and sixth receiver spots, potentially. So, um, you know, Jennings is has only practiced a, what two or three times since coming off the COVID list. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's somebody who uh, we'll we'll have an opportunity to make a surge here. But yeah, beyond beyond Sanu and Sherfield, I, I think the 49ers are, are sort of leaving a lot to be desired. And, and um, you know, there's certainly an opportunity for for somebody to step up. But to this point, we haven't seen it from anybody. And maybe that comes in the preseason.
1: I have two questions uh, based off of this one. Um, do you think maybe to combat uh, their depth problem, they keep like seven or eight receivers? <laughs> Yeah, so that's
4: that's that's, <laughs> the thing you, that's the thing you always want to do when you when you have a very even competition of guys who aren't playing well, just keep more of them. Keep them
1: all. Yeah, right.
4: absolutely. Carry because the battle into of, the season. One of them has to be good, right? <laughs> Eventually, they have to produce, right? Yeah, that's a that's a brilliant, br- brilliant plan for sure. Thank you.
1: I'll run it up the flagpole. Yeah, with, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure John. you'll find
4: someone in Twitter land who will agree with you. All
1: right, I'll uh, I'll fire that tweet off yeah, here get in a a big piece going it, on it. Um. Yes or no, because I want to keep this moving, Nick, and Chris, I'll give you this this question as well. Um, right now, on August 9th at 8.39 p.m., if you had to bet on it, does Jalen Hurd make the final roster? If I had to bet on it? Yeah, right, right now, it. with 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 the opportunity to, to you know, Sure, of course. It's uh, not my set answer, in stone. My answer is no,
4: um, and... I think it's based not just on what I've seen, but just what I've heard. I mean, I'll I'll read you the quote. I I was talking to Wes Welker about it on Monday, and this is what he said. I think he's a smart guy, and he understands the plays and all that stuff. But you can know it all you want. If you don't practice, it's just really hard to make our football team. It's just really tough for us as coaches to be able to trust anybody that can't practice. So we'll see where he's at health-wise. Obviously, his health is the most important thing for us, but you also have to get the reps. And that's the thing with with Herd that, uh, you know, Mick Bosa is on the same kind of schedule in terms of, you know, every third day, you know, it seems like they get a a maintenance day or they're doing something else with their returns. But Herd gets the, you know, it'll be a couple days off. And, you know, whereas Bosa will be back. You have things like that. Um, And the other thing is, is when Herd has been out there, which hasn't been a lot. I think he's had, what, Chris, one catch in team drills so far? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, he, he doesn't even practices? get targeted all that much either. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just it just doesn't – like, you know, when he was a rookie, he looked explosive. You could see what they saw in him. You could see the fit. I, and I'm sure the injury has, has sapped some of that, but you just don't see it. And so, um, you know, maybe he ends up being a guy they don't want to give up on and they can, you know, put him on IR or something and, and keep him around and give him one more go next year. But it, it just – it just doesn't look it just doesn't look good for him at, at this particular moment.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I've heard the same things um about Hurd recently. And so I just think, you know, I think it's Bosa, I think, would practice if it were up to him. He would take every rep. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Jalen Hurd has that same mentality. I'll put it that way. Interesting. Based on based on what I've heard. All
1: right. Jalen Hurd stock down. Chris, what's uh what's your next one?
2: So in so we we spoke to the assistant coaches today. We spoke to um Rich Gangarello, the quarterback's coach, and, and Bobby Slowick, the, the pass game coordinator. And reading what you know Albert Breer wrote in the MMQB and talking to Kyle Shanahan, everybody is sort of talking about the quarterback situation like there's two distinct two distinctly different offenses um, based on who's playing quarterback. And if you read between the lines of what these guys are saying, and, and you know, it's pretty, it's spelt out pretty clearly, I think, in, in what Albert Breer wrote, it seems like it's going to be Jimmy Garoppolo as a starter with Trey Lance mixed in a lot. And so my stock down is the idea of having two quarterbacks that play a lot. I think you just need to pick one. And, you know, I, I just I, if if you have two and lose games then it becomes a serious question, if you have two and one plays significantly worse or significantly better than the other guy, then you have a significant question. And I think Kyle Shanahan might be outsmarting himself, thinking I can create this brilliant offense where we have Jimmy Garoppolo do Jimmy Garoppolo things. And then we have Trey Lance come in and do Trey Lance things. I just I, I see how somebody like Kyle Shanahan who's as smart as he is and can play call as well as he typically does. I just think this isn't going to, if that's the approach to start Jimmy Garoppolo and then have Trey Lance play a series here and there, or, you know, 10, 20 snaps a game, whatever it might be. I just think it's a bad idea. Um, I think you're inviting more problems than are necessary than, you know, I think you have much, you have fewer problems if you just pick one quarterback and go with that guy. Um, So it's still very early in the process, but just sort of talking to people and and reading between the lines on this thing, at least what the 49ers seem to be planning for right now is to have Jimmy Garoppolo start mixed in with some Trey Lance. And I just think it's, it's going to be overly complicated and could event could potentially be problematic, particularly in games that they lose, right? Like, it's one thing if Jimmy Garoppolo has a bad game as a starter. The answer to that is is easier to come up with. It's much more difficult to come up with an answer if you have one of your two quarterbacks playing poorly because it's sort of dependent on the situation and how you're using those quarterbacks. Um, so I just I'm, I'm out on the idea of using both guys, both guys having significant roles. I think you need to pick one. And if it were me based on training camp, I would pick Trey Lance. I understand. Um, I understand why. I mean, it's too early to, I think, to, to say Trey Lance should be the starter. But given what we've seen over the last week and a half of camp, given what we've seen from Trey Lance since uh, the spring program, I think he's on, I think his trajectory is going in the right direction. And given the surroundings, the talent around him and the scheme, I think the offense could be more than good enough to to play with the rookie quarterback in sort of a quote unquote training wheels offense and have that full time. Figure out the Jimmy Garoppolo stuff later. Um, that's just my opinion, but I think you. I, I just think Kyle Shanahan needs to pick one or the other. And I, my stock down is the idea that he could be trying to go into the season using both.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
4: Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily I I guess I guess I just go based on what the words that Kyle Shanahan uses. And I think Kyle Shanahan has been very careful and he's acknowledged that he's been very careful um, in the words that he uses. And the word that he used on Friday when for the first time he acknowledged that Trey Lance was going to even play this year. I asked that question. He, oh nice uh was god big feather in the cap for you chris is walking in tall cotton right now uh but the the word that he used was situationally and situationally to me means situational football which means red zone short yardage situations like that i i agree with chris on the idea of if you're talking about oh we're going to get trey lance a series every half i don't like that idea i just i i'm, I'm with chris on that i don't i don't like the idea of of messing up the flow of, of a game or whatever, and, uh, you know, if, if, if your quarterback is struggling to the point that he has to come out, okay, that's a different conversation. But if, if the idea is that, Hey, we're going to sprinkle in Trey Lance and use him situationally and people make the, the Taysom Hill comparison. And I think it's valid only in the sense of like, they're not going to use him at wide receiver. Of course, they're not going to put Trey Lance out there for that kind of stuff. But I think the idea that, Hey, you can put Trey Lance out there in particular situations And he gives you more than just the running ability that, that Taysom Hill gave the Saints. He gives you the throwing ability too. So you can still do things with him that you might not have been able to do with Hill. So I think that's where the comparison is fair. And and that's where I, I think Kyle Shanahan's mind is right now. I could be wrong, but just, I think he's, he, again, very, very cautious with his words and the word situationally is the word that kind of sticks out to me because I think that's more what he's speaking to than, than some sort of a, a timeshare, because I agree with Chris. I think that, That's when it gets overly complicated, and that's when I think your quarterback situation, uh, your quarterback competition, that's when it morphs into a quarterback controversy when you start doing stuff like that, and that's what you want to avoid
1: in this situation. And it would be a little bit like if they get there, then it means that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't good enough to keep the job Mm-hmm. but Trey lance also wasn't good enough to outright win the job and and that's in the scenario where because in the in the Albert Breer piece it sure sounded like Shanahan was like yeah hey we might just go start a different guy every week <laughs> who knows and part of me was like well that's ridiculous that would that he he would never actually do that and and so I started thinking that maybe he's just like throwing stuff out like, he just like yeah, whatever. Maybe we'll start a different guy every week. I don't freaking know. It's early August. Yeah, if it felt like I some... can't, I can't
2: fathom they go into the year where he's going.
1: Hey, nobody won the nobody won a competition, so uh, freaking <laughs> you're yeah, buckle Shanahan, up.
2: Shanahan's quotes talking talking about using both guys and maybe it depending on the week or whatever. I mean, to me, it's like it came out as you know that's what you say when you don't want to call it a true competition yet which Shanahan has been hesitant to do Um, in the same article, by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo did say it's a competition. Um, And, Hmm. you know, it's the NFL. Everything's a competition. So to sit there and call it and to say it's not a competition is, you know, I I just find it (laughs) inaccurate.
1: It's not not a competition, but if the number two guy is better than the number one guy, he's going to start like,
2: yeah. Okay. then that's a competition doc. So that thought is like, all right, We don't want to call it a competition, and we also don't want to shit on Jimmy Garoppolo's trade value, potentially. Right? So that's the that's the thread, um, or that's the needle that Kyle Shanahan is trying to thread right now, and it's a little bit weird. And to me, like if Trey Lance is good, if he's a guy you want in red zone situations, or like third and short, or whatever, like we've seen it in practice, um, and I'm I'm guessing we're going to see a version of it in the preseason game. But like, if he's better in those key situations why wouldn't he be better in the other situations? I just don't know. Aside from like the experience stuff, I don't know what Jimmy Garoppolo necessarily does better than Trey Lance that you couldn't make up for with, uh, with your, with your scheme or like, you know, you could put Lance in advantageous situations purely based on X's and O's, which is what Kyle Shanahan did with, with Robert Griffin. And so to me, like if you're, if you think Trey Lance is good enough, to have him on the field in key situations and I think he I think you should think he's good enough to start uh, because you can make up for the stuff that he doesn't do like Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in other ways with a different version of the offense and they're clearly developing a different version of the offense for Trey Lance
4: yeah there's there's this notion now that there's
2: all these options
4: on the table there's 57 different ways the 49ers could go with this and it's really not. It, it, there's, I think there's three, like three realistic options. One is Jimmy starts and Trey sits. One is Trey starts and Jimmy sits. And the other one is probably the most likely, which is Jimmy starts and Trey gets used situationally, which look, I understand that everyone wants to, to say, Oh, the, the Niners aren't being honest about this. They're going to, they're ultimately going to switch to Lance. So yeah, but you know what, throughout the quarter this whole quarterback thing, They've mostly been pretty honest. Like they they said they were going to keep Jimmy the whole time, and they have, despite the trade rumors. You know, uh, they they went and got their quarterback, and yeah, I know there was a lot of subterfuge back around 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 that stuff. But uh, you know, I, I do think that those are the three options that they have, and and I think that those one of those three is going to be ultimately the choice that they make. And. It's it's just not necessary to complicate what is a complicated situation any more than it already is, and and I, I think that's kind of like we we do this, and I, I'm I'm probably as guilty as anybody where you can do the you know paralysis by analysis thing where you're overthinking this whole thing, and at the end of the day, who's better? Who is better when it comes time to make the decision? And we're not at that point yet we're not there. And, and I'll be one to say like, I, you guys know, you can vouch for me that I I was high on Trey Lance from the very beginning. I I, I like a lot of the things he's bringing to the table. I, I think if you watch practice, it's, it's not really a contest in terms of just tools in terms of ability. Uh, I think even Jimmy Garoppolo in an honest moment would probably say that. Um, But it's not just about that. There's a lot of other factors that play into it. And Trey Lance hasn't been perfect as much as some people might want to tell you that, uh, you know, on Twitter or whatever, he has not been perfect. He's especially the last few days. I've seen him. him he's still throwing high, missing high on some throws. Yeah, he cooled um, down.
2: He cooled down over the last few practices. Yeah, and again, I'm not. And
4: I'm not saying he's not going to be great. I still have. I still think he's going to be very, very good. I'm just saying he's not there yet. And I think let's at least get to next week and get to those Chargers practices where he's going to get a chance to go uh, go against the number one defense for a couple of days and and see where he's at. And I think that's really ultimately. Kyle Shanahan right now, and he knows this, he's in a no-win situation no matter what he says. So I think his whole thing is let's get to the point where we can get a true evaluation of these guys before I say anything definitive. And I don't frankly, I don't blame him for it.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that's the right the right course of action for him. And I think too, you talk about Chris, like you said, that Lance has cooled off the last couple of days. And that's why Shanahan's not committing to anything yet. Because if, if Lance continues to stack bad days, like that's been the big thing, stacking days. If he continues to stack bad days, then it's hard to imagine them going, all right, now let's throw him out in a regular season game and try and win it. Um, so that's why I think there's just this, if you just took away social media, like <laughs> I think the conversation would be so much different. But, you know, you get people out at practice who are either uh, covering practice, who are there as fans, you know, posting video. And, oh my God, Lance made this play. It was unbelievable. Um, I just, the hype train feels like it's gotten a little bit out of control and it's mostly like fan driven because I think everything from the coaching staff and the team has been consistently kind of downplaying.
2: Yeah. I I think, I mean, what, what's, you know, I think the hype has a lot to do with social media, but I also think like in, in some, some of those practices, like, I mean, Lance had two completions over or two incompletions in two days. While yeah. also while also having a handful of just like really eye-opening plays. So right. there but like, it's, but it's f-
1: what happens after that? What happens in the no, days after sure. you have to and, do that but, day after day after day?
2: Yeah, and he hasn't been bad the last couple of days. It just wasn't at that level. It sure. was, you know, I he it, it, they're just more like, all right, there was you know two fumbles with Wayne Gallman and zone replays. There are, are cadence issues, there are offensive pre-snap penalties, there are bad throws, like Nick mentioned, just like, a few more things are popping up. He's still very clearly the more talented quarterback. But just the last couple of days, it's like, all right, it's been a little bit rockier than it was in the beginning when he was just, like, red hot and rolling to his left and throwing 50-yard touchdowns.
4: And, and, and I think the other part of it is is you have
2: to you have to
4: consider that if you go with Lance to start the season and Garoppolo is your backup, I think it's a lot harder to go back to Garoppolo yes. Than it is to go from Garoppolo to Lance one time, and and yeah. we've seen Kyle Shanahan. There is a track record of that. Obviously, not with this scale of player and this type of investment in the player. But Kyle Shanahan even last year, and we're talking about with Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard in a lost season, where he would get asked multiple times when Mullins was struggling, "What about going to Beathard?" And he's, like, "I don't want to play the flip-flopping quarterback things." So he didn't want to do it then when it would have like nobody would have cared really. And, and, and like so in a situation like this you don't want to you don't first of all you don't want to crush your your rookie quarterback's uh, confidence but you also don't want to put the team in a weird position either because the locker room is a big part of this conversation too and i think the locker room still has a lot of love for Jimmy Garoppolo too
1: um yes or no question does Trey Lance make the team <laughs> yes yes
2: that's
1: okay. i wish i had, uh, I've I wish changed-
2: I had a more fun answer but I thought it was change? more I thought it was more fun
4: to take the kidding like with a serious answer.
1: Yeah, like yeah, I think so. Um <laughs> Got <a shot>. <laughs> so I was thinking go, of <laughs> I was thinking of as a bit doing stock down like like Josh Perkins. Um but I've changed my answer based on what you guys have said throughout this podcast. Okay. Stock down right now, August 9th, stock down on the draft class. Mm. Um Trey Lance is, you know, uh, like look, he's been, he's the number three pick. He's super talented and he is tracking to be a really good player, whether it's this year or next year. Cool. Aaron Banks is not starting yet. Um, Diamador Lenore and Ambry Thomas are two players that Chris said, aren't really standing out. Uh, Jalen Moore, the left tackle from central Michigan, Western Michigan, Western Michigan. Yes, Western uh, Western Michigan is playing tackle instead of guard and actually might win the swing tackle job or compete for the swing tackle job, which is okay. That's, you know, that's good. I've heard good um, things
2: from, from people inside the building who have watched practice on Jalen okay. Moore. Chris is doing um, a
4: deep dive on Jalen Moore.
2: Love it.
1: <laughs> he's got a big love report on yeah. yeah. You know, he's a beefy fit on the offensive line. So we'll, uh, we'll hopefully, you know, get more from him in the preseason and kind of see how he does. Because right now he's, you know, he's not going against, you know, Nick Bosa and team drills or anything, anything crazy like that. Um, you know, Elijah Mitchell is still a question mark at running back. Although Nick, you said you you actually prefer watching him run, but again, um, I think Matt Barrows noted and he noted in the Athletic that he's lost like 15 pounds. Um, and he's a big tackle breaker in college, so we'll have to see if he can continue to do that. Uh, and then Talanoa Hufanga is uh, apparently running around like Troy Palomalo um per Kyle Shanahan uh so I don't know I just um he doesn't seem to be in the mix for the starting strong safety job I just like I said not not to say that the draft class is a disaster like you can't obviously say that uh, halfway through their first training camp not even halfway through the training camp but um just stock down on how impactful this class is going to be this year
4: it's an interesting it's an interesting point and and yeah the, the first thing you said of course is what matters the most. If no one's gonna care about any of the other ones if Trey Lance turns yep, out to be exactly. the guy. But I, I will say that uh, I think the Banks thing has been a little bit surprising, and not you know again we're only ten practices in, and, and Mike McDaniel said the other day that Banks is gonna get his opportunity soon. But the fact that three other guys, including Tom Compton, have already you know gotten reps with the first team offense, you know maybe not a great sign for Aaron Banks. And just the other day. Uh, Maurice Hurst beat him a couple of times uh, very quickly uh, in in team drills and in some pass rush situations. So I, I I think that's a fair a fair point to bring up. I, I would argue really I think and Chris you correct me if I'm wrong. Other than Sermon is Hufanga the 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 guy who's probably been the most impactful in practice uh, at least in team drills. I I think he probably has been. And uh, you know he ran with the ones when they had a couple guys missing when Jimmy Ward got a vet day the other day. Uh, I think he's going to be a key special teamer, which we all, we already kind of expected. But he's had a couple of moments in practice. He had the one practice where he, I think he had two or three run stuffs and and, and a would-be sack. So, um, y- yeah, but, but you're not seeing a lot of other big flashes from some of those guys. And really, Lenore and Thomas both have had a fair amount of opportunities with the first team because they've been missing guys, whether it was Mosley on the COVID list or uh, you know, Kenny Webster got banged up the other day. And, and so, so there's, there's been some chances there and, and you just haven't seen those kind of big flashes that you want to.
2: Yeah, I would mostly agree. I think Hufanga is going to be a contributor. I think Jalen Moore is going to be probably the swing tackle. Um, So, you know, those those guys being drafted on day three, I think if, if they're just on the roster contributing, um, I think that's a win their rookie year. But yeah, Ambry Thomas, I don't think has looked particularly close. I think after, you know, taking 2019 off or sorry, 2020 off and not playing since 2019, I I think there's some significant rust there and he's still getting back in the mix. It seems like Diamador Lenore, he he has gotten a lot of first team reps, mostly because they've been banged up at cornerback and Emmanuel Mosley was out for a little bit with COVID, but um, he gets picked on a lot. And he doesn't make a ton of plays. And, and that's to be expected. And um, it's still early for those guys for sure. But, yeah, I, I think it's a fair point. Aside from Trey Sermon, um, you know, I don't I don't expect a lot of these guys outside of Trey Lance to, to have a, a huge say in what happens to the 49ers this season.
4: And one other thing just real quick on Lenore is, uh, you know, I think it's, it's a little bit unfair to judge him just in the sense that he was brought in to be a nickel corner. And because they've been so banged up, Mm. And had guys missing at corner. He's been playing outside a lot. So I, I think, you know, again, we're not writing any of these guys off at all, but right. like him in particular, has, he's been put in kind of a difficult
1: spot so far. Any that you guys wanted to maybe touch on that uh that we didn't get a chance to? Um aside hmm. from Josh Rosen. <laughs>
4: Yeah. I mean, I guess I've never, I've never up, made Sudfeld just because yeah. stock is. So I don't funny.
1: think I've ever seen Kyle Shanahan just be like, yeah, he's been bad the last few days. Like the way he, the way he did, I guess he's done <laughs> it with like Dante Pettis.
4: Well, what's interesting is, is I would say just saying that it was the last few days is generous. Uh, mm. <laughs> you know, Rosen's <laughs> been missing throws yeah, from the jump. Uh, you know, there was a couple of moments and maybe like the first practice or two, but yeah, that, 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 whatever competition that is, uh, hasn't really panned out to me. I still think, and I'm standing by this, I think they should just keep the two quarterbacks, uh, Lance and Garoppolo, hmm. and use that extra roster spot, keep Sudfeld on, on the practice squad. Um, and you know, if you want to bring in a fourth guy since you have the expanded practice squad, fine. But, uh, I, I think to me, you know, if you have two quarterbacks that you really like and you're going to plan to use anyway, I'm not sure what the need is to have that third one on, on the active roster.
2: I'd agree. And if you did get to a point where you needed a third quarterback, I'm willing to guess either Nick Mullins or CJ Beathard will be available on a practice squad that you could just pull up in case you absolutely needed a third guy. Wow. Like that if would some
4: go, that would be that would go over so well with the
2: fan base. CJ, well, C.J. Beathard's well, if on that the COVID would, list. That would mean they're down. True. <laughs> they're down two quarterbacks. So
4: yeah, there's Any no winning in that situation.
1: Josh Johnson, anyone? Yeah to do it the new york jets get the band back together you know (laughs) um all right anytime you can trade three first round picks to move up and draft a quarterback and then finish the year with the quarterback room that you had the previous year you do it
2: (laughs) it's basic math i'm just Uh, saying it's it's part of the case they're keeping just two that's all i'm not saying they should do it
1: no that's fair i can i can rock with that outside of coming to the event in Santa Rosa, Cooperage Brewing, seven p.m., Friday, August thirteenth. Nick will be there. Chris will be there. I'll be there. Uh, do you guys have anything else for us? This is fun. I don't. I don't. know. So.
4: I don't I. even have a good joke Those to words. go out on. So no, that's
1: a that's okay. I'm all. It's always a weird thing because. Um, we kind of just said like, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And I didn't want to just be like, all right, Hey, subscribe, rate, review, see you guys. And then have one of you guys be like, well, I want to talk about this thing. So I just wanted to run it by you guys. Um I'm trying to be courteous.
4: We, we can let Chris get as Jonathan Kaminga takes off real quick. Oh, I know was, strong was, light was, minutes. Jonathan Kaminga.
1: For more yeah. warriors talk, subscribe to the light years podcast. Sam and Andy do a great job, but we do a segment called light minutes. Where we just uh, we we spit our warriors take so uh, Chris you have the floor Jonathan Kaminga your thoughts?
2: <laughs> He's gonna have some moments and some blowouts. Um, mm, I like that. And maybe the second half of the season he gets some rotational minutes in close games.
1: Okay, but Nick, do you agree? Just great take, yeah. I, I totally <laughs> agree. Yeah.
4: Did the, you did, just speak in you... vague generalities as much like, as <laughs> possible? He, Jonathan Kaminga's just built different, guys. <laughs> that's all. I, that's all. I, that's, my, that's my, yeah, that's that's my what take. what they say.
2: Yeah, that's my take. He's a,
4: he's a man among boys. Yeah. He's going to be playing among
2: men sooner than later. Yeah. So. Um, Moses Moody, Chris. Uh, like it. He's got. Um, I think he. I think the best case scenario for Moses Moody is like Danny Green. Okay. I think, that's be- under-
4: I think that's undershooting what Mo- Moses Moody could be personally. Oh, you like Moses Moody? Wow. Yeah. wow. You, know, you guys know I was big on Moody. I, I thought Moody at seven would have been fine. Uh,
1: okay. The- oh, that's
4: right. You I- were, oh, I- I- okay. I thought pushing Moody.
1: No, that's perfect. You, you were anti-Book Knight. uh yes. James Book Knight from UConn. Did yeah. you see the possession where Davion Mitchell of the Kings locked him up tonight?
4: I didn't see it, but I can't say that I'm surprised.
1: Well, it- I mean, it-, it happened a bunch. Uh davion mitchell's nickname is off night which right. is an un- unbelievable very strong nickname uh yeah there was a it's more like davy davy off
4: night it is, you know they need to it's not davy on you know sure
2: how um, is we Kyle, do have, of all people not amused by that
1: speaking of speaking of off we're turning this off wow <laughs> we have Kyle some breaking news people. hold on didn't so, like that oh show.
2: breaking news it's a good this. joke.
1: I just, I like to play up the bit sometimes where I'm like <laughs>
2: mad at it. It's a really good free, joke. This is, this is from Woj at ESPN. Oh, more light, more light minutes. Another, another cast member, um, free agent guard, Chris Chioza has agreed oh, to a Florida. one-year deal
4: with the Golden State Warriors. Former Florida Gator, Chris Chioza, I believe.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's good knowledge, but I've never heard of Chris Chioza. I watch a lot of college basketball. <laughs> okay.
4: Embarrassing him out, but Chris Chioza is stepped on Nico Mannion. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> what it was, put it, that's like that. a fantastic take on, nuclear. I love it alright that a good way does to it out. for our
1: light minute segment where we talk Golden State Warriors thanks everybody so much uh, Nick thanks so much for hopping on with us uh, on a Monday night we will see you on Friday um, subscribe rate review if you haven't and we'll have another pod later this week and then we'll, we'll see you all Friday night at Cooper's Brewing in Santa Rosa later.